All right, now moving on to our, our series. What a joy again to continue with our Savior series this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 3. Feels like I suddenly got um, silent from lunch. I'm, I'm still okay. All right, so two weeks ago, Gareth looked at John the Baptist when he was going around the region around, around Jordan, proclaiming the baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. As we read in Luke 3, verse 3. And we learned what it means to repent. He gave us an acronym, repentance, what it means to truly repent. And last week, Rob looked at baptism by the Holy Spirit. And he looked at John's responses to the people's questions of what shall we do? And if by any chance you've missed one of these sermons, you can catch them on our website, chat website, just go there. They are there for you. Or you can go to Spotify if you, uh, uh, you know, tech savvy. You can catch all of our sermons there on Spotify. So today, we learned in Luke 3, verse 21 and 22, um, it's to be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles or your phones with you. I've been lucky for the past the messages. I've been preaching just on one or two verses. So it looked like the elders, they, 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 they trust me on, 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 one, on one or two verses, which, I, which, 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 which I'm happy with. I'm happy just to preach on just on one or two verses. That's enough for me. Um, um, yeah, so let, 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 let's read Luke 3, verse 21 and 22. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens opened. The Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form, like a dove. And a voice from heaven, you are my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is alive, active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Pray, Father God, that this morning, as we sit under your word, may you use us to sharpen our lives, may you use to teach, to rebuke us. Lord Jesus, I pray that even as I speak, Lord Jesus, may you increase and may I decrease. In Jesus' name, amen. Savior's baptism is the topic for my message today. I told you it's only two verses, so you must listen because before you know it, I'll be saying amen. <laughs> Save us baptism. So Luke's here, he records the account of Jesus' baptism. And this account is recorded in all the other three Gospels. They record this account when Jesus was baptized. But I like the way Matthew narrates this story. He says in Matthew 3, verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. You know, we know that John was, 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 pro, was proclaiming a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. He says, I baptize you, with water for repentance. 
You can say these people that you are coming to John to be baptized, they were sinners. And, and, and being baptized for them was a symbol of repentance. And you, you put yourself in, in John's shoes as he's baptizing these people. He sees Jesus coming to him to be baptized. The one that he, he proclaims when he comes, that behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The one whom he, whom he proclaims, he's coming after me. He's mightier than I. Whose sandals I'm, I'm not worthy to carry. Who will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. The spotless Lamb of God. The one without any sin or blemish. Coming to be baptized. Maybe if I was John, I would have said the same. That no, 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 no. I'm a sinner myself. I need to be baptized by you. Not you coming to be baptized by me. You know, there's something that is significant that is happening here when Jesus is being baptized. Because if you picture this, that the Son of God who has never sinned, the Son of God who has no sin to repent of, he's standing there, maybe around, maybe in the line with the people, counted amongst the sinners to be baptized. Does that, does that picture sound familiar to you? Counted among sinners. Because we see Jesus here in the beginning of his ministry, waiting to be baptized, he's counted among sinners. Towards the end of his ministry, we see him again at the cross, counted with sinners. You know, Jesus was never far off from sinners. From the beginning of his ministry, he was right there with the sinners. Some in, in, in his ministry, some even called him friends of sinners because he spent time with the sinners. He himself says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And Paul says in 1 Timothy, Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. So it's no surprise that you, you find him here in the beginning of his ministry, coming to be baptized and is counted among sinners, that he could identify with them and that the sinners can identify with him. He didn't need to be baptized. But he went there anyways to identify with sinners. Have you ever done something wrong? Maybe you need to go to someone and apologize and it's heavy for you. And then someone says, no, come, I'll come with you. And they're like, no, but you didn't do anything. And they say, no, it's okay. I'm just there for you, just for support. You know, when I read this, I have that sense that it's almost just saying the same thing, that come with me, we're going to get baptized together. I know I didn't do anything wrong, but I'm here for you. Jesus was never far off from sinners and brokenhearted. You know, there, there, there are many reasons that, uh, this is one of them, that the, the, the Bible scholars try and explain, but why did Jesus get baptized? Because they didn't need to get baptized. And one of the reasons 
is one that he himself says in Matthew when, 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 when John tries to prevent him. And he says to him, let it be so now. So, Jesus' baptism was almost like an inauguration for his ministry. It was the beginning of his ministry. It was the start of his ministry to fulfill God's saving activity prophesied by the Old Testament prophets that Jesus was to come for the salvation of mankind. And Luke is quick, he's the only one, he's quick to mention here that as he was praying, you know, the, the, the other Gospels, they, 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 they don't mention that part, but Luke mentions it, uh, uh, this part, that as he was praying, as he was praying, something happens. Something happens. The Bible tells us that as he was praying, the heavens were opened. So Luke thought it was important for, for him to put that part that uh, Jesus didn't get that baptized and came out and then the and, and then the Holy Spirit descended on him, but he, he, he wanted to emphasize as Jesus was baptized, as he was praying in that moment, that is important because it shows us something about Jesus. That there was always, and we see this throughout Scripture, that there is always this open communication between the Father and the Son. There is always open communication between Jesus and his Father, who is our God. We, we, we don't know, that, we don't know what, what he was praying about. But we, we, we can be certain that he was not praying for any sin of his own. Because he didn't, have, he didn't have any sin to confess. You can argue that if he was confessing any sin, he was confessing sin on our behalf. But he himself didn't have any sin to, con to confess of. But we see this communication between Jesus and his father. And we'll see this in his ministry that he will often separate himself into a quiet place and will speak to his father. You know, you may think maybe this is a far-fetched point to make about, pray about, about prayer. But a preacher can make any point work. <laughs> so it fits that it's important to communicate with the Father. How about us? How about us? Why don't you open our lines of communication with the Father every day? Why don't you converse with God every day through prayer? Because praying is not bringing a request to God. It's conversing. It's God speaking to you and you speaking to God and listening to him as well. Not just bring your own problems. God, I'm struggling with this and this and this. No, it's a communication between you and God. We should make it our daily pattern to communicate with God. 
And Luke tells us that as he was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form like a dove. As Jesus is praying and is, and is getting baptized, God, he rips the heavens open for his son. This reminds me of Isaiah's cry in Isaiah, in Isaiah 40 when he says, all that you will rend the heavens and come down. This is what happens here. God literally, he rends the heaven, he tears the heavens open and he comes down as the Holy Spirit to the Son. You know, some people argue was the real dove or not a dove? That's not the point. The point is the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in a bodily form, in a form that people can see the Holy Spirit coming to him and descending upon him. And many have described this moment of the dove, of, 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 the, of the Holy Spirit coming in, in, in a bodily form like the moment in Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and flooded the room where the, where the sounds like a mighty rushing wind filled the house they were sitting. Because from that moment on, a church was given a mandate, if you can say, to go preach the gospel. From that moment on, the church was commissioned to go. Because Jesus told them that I'm sending a promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power. And we'll speak about this moment of Pentecost, that after the Holy Spirit comes on you, then I'm going to send you. It's a similar moment. When the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus, we'll see in verses coming that when Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit, he begins his ministry. So he received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit descends on him to send him, to, to, to commission him to start inaugurate him for his ministry. Something significant here as well. That before the church was commissioned to do great things, the Holy Spirit fell on the church. Before Jesus began his ministry and was commissioned, the Holy Spirit came on him. And we look at our lives, how many things, how many big tasks, God-given tasks that we undertake without inviting the Holy Spirit to come upon us. You know, we, 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 we have challenges in our government sometimes because we have leaders who are entrusted with so much without the Holy Spirit. They have been entrusted so much without the lead of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is important in our lives before we undertake anything. Sometimes even in churches, we start big projects and we, we, we don't invite the Holy Spirit to, to, to be with us, to, be, to, be, to, to, to fill us. And oftentimes we fail. Maybe even you're going through something, maybe this coming week yourself. Maybe you're starting a new job. Maybe you're going for an interview, whatever it is. Why would you invite the Holy Spirit to come and say, God, before I undertake any task, before you commission me anywhere, I want you, Holy Spirit, to come upon me. Come and fill me. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven 
You are my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not difficult to, to, to figure it out whose voice this was. Because he says, you are my beloved son, so this must be the father speaking to the son. Picture this for a moment. The son comes for baptism. The heavens are opened and the Holy Spirit comes and the Father speaks. You know, there are very few occasions in Scripture where we see the whole Trinity in one place. This is the moment in Scripture where we see the whole Trinity of God in one place. We see the Son. We see the Holy Spirit. We, see, we, we, we hear God speaking. He's right there. All of them in one place. It reminds me of the verse that we looked at a few weeks ago from Luke 1 when the angel was speaking to Mary when he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, that the child that will be born will be called the Son of God. We see the Trinity in this verse as well. The Holy Spirit, the Most High, which is the Father and the Son of God. The whole Trinity at play even in this verse. The father says, you are, my, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. The father speaks identity to the son. Not only speaks identity, but he also affirms him. I, I, I don't think that Jesus ever doubted that, uh, that God was his father. But the father saw it fit that he should tell him publicly and, says, and speak identity over him and say, you are my son. I think it was important for Jesus to know that while he's standing among sinners, kept himself surrounded by sinners, I think it was important for him to know that he is God's son. And God had to tell him, and had to speak identity to him and says, you are my son. You are my beloved son. The fact that you are, among, you are standing here among sinners, that doesn't define you. You're not a sinner. You are my son. Speaks identity over him. You are my beloved son. You know, there are many, of, many people who longs or who have longed to hear these words from their parents. Maybe they never did. Just as parents saying, you are my beloved son or daughter. You know, you see these um, maybe stories on TV where a son or daughter gets separated from their parents and they meet when they're an adult. And then the father or the mother will say, you are my son or daughter, I'm your father or your mother. And then all they all break in tears. Because the son or daughter thinks of the years where they were almost in identity crisis, where they didn't know who they are. Because they needed the, the parent to, affect, to, to, to speak identity over them and say, you are my son or you are my daughter. I think it was important for God to speak identity over Jesus because we'll see that soon after this moment, 
Jesus is led to the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. I think in, in those temptations, he needed to know who he was, that he's the son of God. Sometimes in our deepest and the darkest moments, we need to know who we are and we need to know whose we are. When we, when we find ourselves in the wilderness, we don't, we don't question God and say, God, where are you? Sometimes it's enough to know that even in this wilderness, I am God's son or daughter. God, he, he bears witness to the son. He owns him publicly. You know, the Bible tells Jesus grew up just like any other Jew at a time. In fact, Isaiah 15 tells us that for he grew up before him like a young plant and the root out of dry, dry ground. He had, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. I'm sure people just looked at him when he was growing up and some maybe they've heard the story that hey, this is the son of God and some have like maybe mocked at it. How can they say he's the son of God? He's just normal like us. And God, he comes in this moment, he rips the heavens open and he owns him publicly and says, you are my son. Speaks identity over him. Not only does he speak identity over him, he also speaks words of, of affirmation. He affirms him and says, with you, I'm well pleased. You know, there's something, there, there's something about being loved publicly and being affirmed publicly. You know, it, it, it breeds a certain level of, of security and of confidence that I've been loved publicly and I've been affirmed publicly as well. You know, when you get married, you, you, you do so publicly. You declare your love to your wife publicly. Love your husband. You affirm them, affirm them publicly that in worse in sickness or in health, we affirm them publicly. We decide to, especially men, to love privately. But after a couple of years of marriage, I've realized that actually maybe women, they, they, they love to be loved publicly. <laughs> I had an amen. <laughs> So hopefully the young guys are taking notes now. They back their land. We got a pen and paper. <laughs> Women, they love to be loved publicly. I don't know. Maybe just my wife. <laughs> if it if it if, if if it feels comfortable to you, uncomfortable to you as a man, you must you must try and do it because they appreciate it that you love them, you own them publicly. They just wanted a random kiss in public, <laughs> where you feel uncomfortable but they appreciate it because they want to be loved publicly. They want to be affirmed publicly. They want you to be proud of them. When you point at your wife and you say, that is my wife with one finger. Not with the whole hand. That is my wife. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> if you are a parent, it's important to affirm, to love and affirm your children. He is the father, the greatest parent of all. 
modeling us how it means, what it means to be a great parent. Telling his son that I love you. Or you are my beloved son. Speaking identity over him. And affirming him. Saying with you I'm well pleased. You know, sometimes it's, 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 it's not enough just to, 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 to show our kids that we love them. But it's important for us to tell them. I know sometimes it's difficult to tell our kids, maybe because of the way that we, we were brought up, maybe our culture, our parents, they never told us that they love us because it doesn't mean that we're bad parents. It just means that their parents, they never told them. So it's not easy. But we need to tell our children as parents that we love them. We need to tell them that we are proud of them. Some things I've been practicing over the past 10 years now, being a parent, that I tell my son that I love you. That they must know that their father loves them. When I drop them at school, have a good day and I love you. When they go to bed, good night, son, and I love you. Because I want, to, I want them to hear those words, that their father loves them. And it's going to make it easy for me when they're grown up, for me to tell them, that son, I love you, because I said it when they were young. Because when they are old, it's difficult. It's not impossible, but it's difficult. But it's an encouragement for us, if you're a parent, to tell your children that you love them and to affirm them. You know, just before COVID started, I used to go to my son's sport at school. I used to watch him, um, whatever sport he was playing, whether rugby or cricket or soccer. And whenever we touched the ball, which was never often. <laughs> but I'll shout, go Melo! Affirm him publicly. And I'll see some parents give me a stare look, but it's not that good. I'm like, no, no, he's my son. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether he can kick like a Ronaldo. I'm affirming public because he's my son. Owning him publicly because he's my son. And I need him to know that that I can affirm him publicly, affirm the son publicly. We have heard of, say, of a saying, rebuke privately or correct privately, but praise or affirm publicly. You know, unfortunately, we live in a place where people, they, 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 now they, they, they rebuke private, publicly and then they go affirm or praise privately. But we should learn from the Father. We should, we, we should be able, we should be able to, 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 to praise and affirm publicly. If you're an employer sitting in a room today, I want to challenge you to affirm your employees publicly. Not only reprimand and rebuke them, but affirm them. Let's learn this message this morning. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? John 1 verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, which is hopefully me and you this morning, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you're sitting here this morning and you've received him and you've believed in his name, he gave you the right 
to become children of God, to become a child of God. And if you, have, if you haven't received him this morning, we have an opportunity as well to receive him and to become a child of God. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 18 says, I will be a father to you. You shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Almighty. God himself, God himself has adopted us as his children. And Paul puts like this in Ephesians 1 verse 5, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. And in Galatians 4 he says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, which is made new, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Because you are sons, talk about you and I this morning, whether you are female or not, doesn't matter, you are a son. You are sons. God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. If a son, then so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So as you're sitting here this, this morning, God has adopt, adopted you as a son and a daughter. And because of that, he will have the very same word that he spoke of Jesus that day. He will have them spoken over you this morning. He will say to you, you are my beloved son or daughter, and with you I am well pleased. Some of us need to hear that this morning, that you are a beloved daughter of God, that you are a beloved son of God, because God has adopted you as a son and a daughter. God will have the very same words spoken over you. God, he wants to speak identity over you this morning and says, you are my son, you are my daughter. Not only will, does he want to speak identity over you, but he wants to affirm you this morning that with you, he is well pleased. He will say the very same words to you sitting this morning. Maybe you feel like, God, but I'm unworthy. I feel like I'm a worthy son, and worthy daughter, but he says, no, with you, I'm well pleased. He, want, he speaks identity over you this morning. And he speaks words of affirmation to you this morning. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. That when I began this message, I said it's alive and active. Thank you that you use the word to sharpen us, transform us change us. Thank you, Father, that we are sons. We are daughters of the Most High. We are loved by you. Holy Spirit, may you speak this truth in us this morning even when we have doubted that you loved us. This morning, we want to receive the truth, we want to receive that identity that we are loved by you. 
and that you are pleased with us. Help us to accept those words. Help those words to be our own identity. That you are, we are beloved sons and daughters of the Most High. That you are loved by you. That you love us and be pleased with us. Help, help us that those words, they, help, they transform our lives, the way we live our lives. That we respond to these words. That we live the rest of our lives with those words echoing, changing us the way we live. We pray this in your name. Amen.